Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. The elephant in the room, right? The, the thing that everybody knows is there, but nobody wants to acknowledge, right? Because if we call it out, then we got to deal with it. And that's always the challenge. So, so it is with our hurts, right? And our woundedness and our pains of life. That if we're really honest, most of the time it is easier just simply to ignore them, work around them, pretend they don't exist, and to deal with them. And the challenge of that is then we carry the pain of our past into our present, and that pain in the present then leads to informing and impacting the future that we have. If we just say it's an elephant in the room, we don't deal with it, it affects us today, and more importantly, it affects us tomorrow. And if we're not careful, it affects us generationally. So what we're going to talk about these next few weeks is pretty significant. And let me try to maybe illustrate it in a different way. Have you ever had a physical injury that you had to make a decision about, like what you were going to do with it? Um, For example, I've had two uh, ACL surgeries, right? And these happened long after my playing days. And so now I'm just an old YMCA wannabe baller, right? And so these things happen a little later in life. And uh, when I blow it out, I go to the doctor, asks me probably a good question. Hurtful to my pride, but probably a good question. Uh, what do you want to do about this? Because your days are long past, right? Um, he said that. No, he didn't say it any nicer than that. He said it that way, right? So here's the, cho- the options you have, right? You can limit your activity, uh, and you can just wear a brace whenever you would do something physical, and, um, and that would be one way to do it. Or, or you can go through the work and the pain of surgery and rehab and what all that makes uh, to do over these next few months that was going to do, right? I could have, and the question really became, right, I, I can avoid the pain of the present of avoiding this surgery, right? And in my mind, I can just carry manageable pain into my future and be okay with it. And in the moment, can I be honest with you, especially when I blew it out the second time because I knew what it meant if I went through the surgery. The second time, the idea of avoiding the pain of the present became pretty intriguing to me. This idea that, listen, I I can just medicate the pain and modify my lifestyle, all of a sudden I begin to think, hmm, that's a whole lot easier because I know what the next year means if I go the opposite route. So I'm pondering this moment, and then there's something inside of me that rises up to say, hmm, I got a vision for myself that doesn't include modifying and, and medicating right? I have a vision for a preferred future that someday I, I want to get on the floor with future grandchildren and play. Someday I, I still want to play basketball with my staff every week, and I still want to ride my motorcycle across the country. All of a sudden, these ideas of what it did, this preferred future begin to resonate. So I've had three knee surgeries. I've had three times of rehab. Three times I've chosen the pain of the present because I didn't want to exist in the pain of the future. And so I said, today I'll deal with these things. That's what I want for you in this series over these next five days. I want you to own your hurts so you can experience the freedom that God has for you in the future. I want you to experience the freedom that comes from doing the work and going through the struggle to experience healing in ways God has for you. So the next five weeks, let me just tell you what's going to happen. The next five weeks, um, smile at me because I'm going to pick some old wounds probably, right? 
I'm going to push on some tender spots. Some things may even trigger things in you over these next few weeks. And I want to encourage you, rather than just get angry or dismiss it, can I encourage you to pay close attention to the emotions that your body is telling you during these times? Over the next five weeks, pay close attention to what's going on in here. Because the easiest thing is going to be able to dismiss it and rationalize it and push it back down like you have done before. And I just say to you, God has something for you on the other side of the painful process, which is a preferred future, which God has for you. So pay attention to those things uh, over the next few days. Ask yourself questions like this. Why did that statement or why did that memory cause such a strong emotional response in me? Boy, I didn't think that would trigger that. Why is that? Questions like, God, God, what do you want me to hear from you about the hurt that just got identified? Or I'm because you're gonna things are gonna come up over these next five weeks that we're not even talking about. They're just things in your own heart and life, right? Spirit's gonna bring things. So just God, what, what would you have for me to do that? And the power of this series, can I just encourage you, is not gonna be simply in the content that's shared here on Sunday morning. The power of this series to make life-changing transformation in your heart is really going to come from the personal work you're willing to do Monday through Saturday. It's going to come in that intentional and honest moments with the Lord. It's going to come with conversations with trusted friends or maybe even a counselor. It's going to come in our life groups over these next few weeks are going to be talking about some of these topics. It's going to be in that safe place with people who care about you, the conversations that happen here. So lean into it, even though you're going to want to run away from it. Practical. Let me give you a couple of practical things we can start. Can I encourage you to maybe consider to bring in a journal? Put a journal here at church, put a journal by your bed, and just over the next four or five weeks, as thoughts come to your heart and mind, emotions rise up, write them down, right? Don't sterilize them. Don't hyper-spiritualize them. Just write them down. This came to my mind. This is how I'm feeling in those moments. And then, here's the beauty, right? If you're like, what am I going to do with this series? Just whatever those things that you're writing down, these are the things you just take to the Lord. God, this is how I'm feeling. Ooh, God, I didn't like this in my response, so help me understand, right? So just take some moments and, and do that. And again, the big heart for you simply is this, to be attentive to what's going on in here, not just what's going on in here over the next five weeks, all right? So that's where we're heading. It should be fun. It should be messy. It should be hard. It should be freeing. And it's going to be an amazing ride. So welcome to Elephant Room. The hurts we don't want to talk about. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. If you've got your phones, go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. There are probably some notes and resources throughout the series. You can access all of those to lexcity.info as you go. Today, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to learn from the life of Matthew on how difficult it is to start this process of, of owning your hurts without being defined by your hurts by other people or even being defined by your hurts by your, towards yourself. Now, if you may wonder today, like, what? question, Brian, why are you wearing a backpack? New fashion style? I mean, all the hipsters are wearing these things, so I decided, hey, it's going to look good on me. No, that's probably not why. Uh, not a fashion statement, because here's the deal. Like, this sucker is heavy, heavy. I've been carrying it, and I'm already tired of it. It's cumbersome. 
Uh, It's bothering my back. My back is hurting. The knee that I just explained is getting irritated by this thing. Uh, And you may say, why? Because this thing is full of rocks. And it's heavy. And I'm getting fatigued carrying it around. And it's stealing a little bit of the joy in my normal really lucid movements, which are so amazing, right? I mean, all of these, <laughs> thank you, babe. All of these things are fading away. And the rocks that are all sitting in this backpack all represent hurts that are true in my life. And some of these hurts, man, I've been carrying around a really long time. Some of these rocks I've been carrying since childhood. And it's heavy, and it's fatiguing. And you know what I've learned about hurts and trauma and things like that? is that your body is always keeping score. Have you noticed that? My body is telling me like, this thing is heavy and it's cumbersome. And you just started your sermon and you're already a little bit tired. It's communicating those things, right? Our body always keeps score. It tells us, right? We have this fight, flight, or or freeze kind of response to trauma and hurts that come into our life. And they're not sustainable over long periods of time to have any of those responses. And your body begins to tell you. That's why some of you, like, your back hurts. (laughs) That's why you have no joy at times. It's just why you're wore out. It's why we sometimes comfort eat and put on the comfort backpack 5, 15, 25 pounds of comfort there, right? Or we go the opposite direction. The hurt comes and I don't take care of myself and it goes the opposite way. It's why you have headaches and things. Why? Because your body's kept score. Saying, hmm, you're not paying attention to something like here. You're just pushing it down and ignoring it, acting like it goes. See, I know it's true in me. My body always keeps score and I know where it keeps score. It'll come in migraines, Right? My stomach will bother me, and I'll begin to lose hair. That's when I know that hurt. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little too close to recover, right? So here's the deal. Now, because this thing is heavy, so I'm so grateful to get to this point in the sermon. I get to take this thing off. And again, this wonderful little backpack full of all things. Now, when I take it off, I, I shared with you that what's made this thing really heavy is it's all full of rocks. I've got all kinds of rocks that are in here. They're a little bigger than your rocks. Somehow as a pastor, I don't know what the, it seemed like a good idea to give you rocks. And now halfway through this, I'm beginning to wonder if maybe I shouldn't have done it, if this could go poorly. But I've got, I've got a lot of rocks that are here. It's no wonder this thing is heavy. I've been carrying these around. And, you know, you'll notice something that's true on, on my rock that's true on your rock is that each one of our rocks have a little period somewhere on the rock. And just like the hurts in my life, the period represents this, that many of the hurts that are sitting in my bag that I've carried are hurts from the past, right? I've got some that have commas that are current hurts, but most of them are these, a period is on them, it's the hurts from the past. And and the challenge is, I don't know about you, I I spend a lot of time, and a lot, it's all right, it's been a pain to carry, a lot of time and a lot of emotional energy trying to change some hurts that have a period on it, right? I've been trying to edit the narrative a a little bit. I've been trying to rewrite the stories. I've been trying to think back and and change outcomes that were there and consequences that came. And so as a result, spend a lot of time, right, trying to relive conversations, saying, oh, if only I had said this or said that, right? Maybe you can relate to that or... I think about choices and saying, man, if I would have just 
if I would have responded differently in that circumstance and in that situation, then things might have turned out a little bit different. Or some of the hurts and some of the rocks from the past, I have no control over. And you have no control over. They were done to us, not by us. So the rocks in our pack get a little heavy. And because there's a period at the end of these rocks, here's the challenge. All of my stressing, my anger can't change a single part about the story or the narrative that's there. And since I can't change the story, where's the hope, right? Here's what I remind you. Because I, just because I can't change the story, it, it brings me to a point of decision. And the question is simply this. What is the next sentence in my story that I'm going to write after that period. That's my choice. What's the next sentence that goes? Because if I don't own my past, my past is gonna own me. And I'm gonna keep piling things in a backpack and I'm gonna keep carrying a weight. So today we have that choice. What story awaits you on the other side of the period of your pain? Here's the great news. It's an amazing story. It's a great story. It's a generational impacting story. But we got to be willing to own the past and acknowledge that there's a period. And my power comes not in the changing and editing of that, but my power comes on what's the sentence I write next with my life. We see that all throughout Scripture, right? Men and women who have, were told... Uh, were, they tell these amazing stories that we read about, we study, we preach on and teach on. And, and so many of these stories, it's this amazing thing where somehow they've turned hurt into healing. I think of Joseph all the time in these contexts. Betrayed at the deepest level, the hurt could not have been any deeper. And then we have this moment of restoration and healing and God does amazing things. One of the characters that I always think of during this time and I think about these things is really the, the, the man named Matthew. That's why we're in Matthew chapter 9. If you think about Matthew, the story takes place in Matthew chapter 9. It's found in the context of, of the city of Capernaum. And if you're familiar with the story of Matthew, we're going to talk about today, the story starts where Jesus meets Matthew and he's sitting in a tax collector's booth at this moment on the main highway because Matthew, the Bible tells us, was a, a tax collector. Now that phrase and that title gives us some context, but let me just kind of give you historically how deep and significant it was that this is what who Matthew was and how he identified himself. Give you a little insight on what it meant to be a tax collector in the Bible, right? So the Roman Empire, reigning power of the day, had this amazing taxation system. And here's what they would do. It's so, it's crazy. They would auction off the rights for people to collect taxes from the people uh, to the highest bidder. So they would say, Capernaum, tax booth number 18, bidding begoes. Highest bidder wins the right to collect taxes at that place. Now, the beauty of Roman's system was this, that Rome collected all of the money and all of the taxations up front. Whatever you bid for that booth went all to Rome, and now the profit that the person who won the bid would have to make would be to repay himself for what he had to pay for Rome and create profit for himself. Do you see how the system works? This is the context of Matthew. So the tax collector would sit at the booth and he would collect taxes for goods that farmers were bringing 
uh, on the way for merchants and caravans, and then he would collect taxes on imports that were coming in from caravans that came through Capernaum as they go. Capernaum set up on an amazing trade route. Let me just show you this on the map so you just get an idea of how the context. You see Capernaum all the way up there at the right. If you go a little farther north from there, you're going to get into Syria. And if you come down farther south, you're going to get into Egypt. This is the trading corridor in, in biblical times. You see even that little white line, this is going right through Jerusalem. Here's the point I just want to remind you is that Matthew is positioned in an amazingly great place to make a whole lot of money. Because everything that came from the north to the south or the south to the north came through. Toll booth, number 19, where Matthew sits. Now, again, what would make this system, as you can imagine, extremely corrupt, is that Rome didn't care how much taxation you charged the people. Rome just wanted their money. So if Rome says, listen, I, we just need our 20%, you can charge the people whatever you want, 28%, 35%, 40%. It doesn't matter to us. Just give us our 20 Anything else you do above and beyond that is for yourself. And to make sure this happened, and every one of these outposts, and Capernaum was one of them, they would leave a remnant of Roman soldiers to reinforce the law, all right? So you kind of get a picture of this. Now, this system, again, it doesn't take much to think about how this can just become notoriously corrupt, right? Whoever owns a toll booth makes their own decisions. And you can imagine how the citizens of Capernaum felt towards people who were tax collectors, right? Not only did they live under Roman oppression and have to pay outrageous taxes, now all of a sudden they're being taken advantage of by their own people who are taxing their own people for extra profit and extra gain, and they're being victimized once again simply out of the greed of the tax collector who sat in booth number 19 at the time. Can you imagine, if you're Matthew, when you want to talk about a backpack that is full of rocks and shame? I mean, Matthew's backpack is full. He's, he's got to be. He knows that he's not living a moral or even good life by any stretch of the imagination. You can imagine the shame that gets cast on him internally. When you lay your head on the pillow, you know that you're, you're victimizing your own people. You can imagine the shame that comes to him from externally, words that were shared not only to Matthew, but anybody who was close to Matthew. Here it is, you are the tax collector, and I'm sure they had other adjectives that went along with that. He had to feel like this. He doesn't belong anywhere. His own people hate him, and Rome's just using him as a pawn to further their agenda in taxation. And so the backpack, you have to imagine in Matthew's life, gets heavier and heavier. And every day that he sits at that toll and does what he knows is immoral to the people that he should be caring for, it grows. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, we pick up the story. And Jesus passed from there, and he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And we don't get all of the nuances of what happens between there, but we know something miraculous happens in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, before the next one, where Matthew's life is changed and transformed. He repents, makes Jesus Lord and Savior of his life, and instantly the fruit of a transformed life is seen in the very next verse. I wish we had all the details of how that happened, but we see the fruit of a life that has been repentant and a life that has changed by verse 10. Go to verse 10. And Jesus reclined at the table in the house, Matthew's house, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. So Matthew gets saved, 
invites all of his friends, hey, I want you to come over to my house for dinner. I want you to meet this man named Jesus who has changed my life. And can you imagine the dinner party that's sitting around? This is the who's who of the most hated people in Capernaum. Like if you think you're, come to this dinner. This is Matthew and all the tax collectors and sinners that are there. But the gospel, what I love about it, does something amazing with our hurts, does something amazing with our baggage, does something amazing with the backpacks that we carry with all of the things in it. It offers a fresh start. The gospel offers this ability to, to have a new identity, to stop carrying the rocks that you have been carrying for years, maybe even generations. Let me just give you a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians, I love this. Chapter 5, verse 17, he simply says this. Therefore, what, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Psalms 103, 12, right? As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. I love that. When you repent, ask for forgiveness from Christ, Jesus says, man, your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You're a new creation. The labels that were placed on you no longer exist. Your failures and your sins, he says again, are removed as far as that imagery of the east is from the west. And I love that visual, right, of the, of the east is, is from the west. Why didn't Scripture say what's as far as the north is from the south? Why did it say east versus west? Well, I love this science reinforces the scriptures, right? If he said this, if he said, uh, let's just take, if you're going north, right? If you go north, all the way north, will you run into eventually what? The North Pole. But if you keep going, what happens eventually? You run all the way back down into the South Pole, right? Eventually you go north, once you keep going past there, eventually now you're starting to go south. Here's the amazing thing. When you go east, you can go east a million miles a million times, and you're always going east. East never meets west, that's why there's no East Pole and there's no West Pole. It's the beauty of what God says. So the moment, right, that you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment Matthew made that decision of repentance in chapter 9, his backpack was emptied and he was forgiven. The period was placed on there. And the question became for Matthew is this, will I now put back into the backpack the very thing that I have now been freed from? And I propose the same question for you today. Will you be putting back into your backpack the things that you have already been freed from? And a lot of the things that are here, I put back here, and I'm reminded this, that Jesus never desired in my walk with him for me to carry around a backpack that was full of rocks. Matthew, a little bit later, 11 verse 28, right? Matthew writes again, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's take a moment today and talk a little bit, if that's what Jesus promises, uh, about the, the rocks, right, that you're carrying. You've got a rock we gave you when you came in. represents kind of that, that same thing. And some of those rocks that we carry, that we've carried a long time, and maybe even from some of those formative years, I think about the years before we graduated from high school, 
Some of those rocks got placed into our backpacks and we had no control over it. They weren't done by us, but they were done to us. Some of those were placed in our backpacks by other people through their actions or maybe even through their words. Some of us, right, if we look back to our, our, those early formative years, some of us have been blessed that we didn't have a lot of rocks placed in that backpack that we have. We grew up in a, in a home that was stable. Grew up in a home where, where love was expressed easily. We grew up feeling safe. We grew up feeling accepted. Some of you hit the Geno jackpot and you're highly athletic. Some of you are beautiful, gorgeous people. Some of you are blessed with above average intelligence. Some of you were born into families of wealth and the influence. And hear me really clearly say that I'm not saying to you that your life was pain-free by any means, but I'm just saying you didn't start off with a backpack full of rocks. Some of us, the story may be a little bit of the opposite. You had some rocks placed into your pack by people who should have actually been lightening your load, but they made it a whole lot heavier, right? Your, your home was neither stable nor accepting. You might have been hurt physically, emotionally, by people who should have protected you. Might have been born into poverty and the struggle. Might have learning struggles and challenges that come your way. And rocks were placed into your backpack through no fault of your own. But you found them there. And if that's part of your story, can I just say to you, I'm sorry because that wasn't right. It wasn't right. Those were rocks that God never intended you to have to carry. But because of choices of others, they're rocks that were in your pack. It's part of your story. But I'm just telling you it wasn't right. And I'm sorry you faced those things, right? But regardless of how our story started and the rocks that we had in those formative years... Here's this amazing, the longer life goes on, we, we keep going around and, and picking up rocks and laying down rocks. This is life, right? Picking them up, deciding what to do with them, and over time, you know, eventually we put a couple more in the bag. And again, if we're not careful, this accumulation process of pain begins to carry with us in a, in a, a challenging way. Think about all the things that put rocks, that give us a choice to pick up and place down, right? Our, our culture, our community, our workplace, sometimes even our church, creates those opportunities for rocks in our lives. And if you're honest, right, some of these rocks that we carry are rocks that we did to ourselves, to our own decisions, to our own habits and things that we go. And so we all place a part of this. And over the years, right, this crazy pack gets heavier and heavier, one rock, one pebble at a time, but your body's keeping score and your body's telling you you're not dealing with this and I'm getting tired. You're not dealing with this. I'm emotionally empty, right? You know the sense your body reminds you. So here's a question for you today as we kind of roll it. It's simply this, you know, what does your pack look like? What are the rocks that you're carrying? I had to open up your backpack and put it on the table. What's represented there? I'm going to guess out of some of the rocks that we all have, some of these are going to be, and maybe even a majority of them, are going to come out of relational hurt. Right? People who should have been a source of joy for you have become a source of pain through different circumstances. 
And the challenge sometimes is when we talk about, even we get to this point about like, how do we get past this? And you hear things like this, we need to restore this relationship and redeem it in such a way. That feeling, you hear those words, does it not? It becomes a little overwhelming. Like it's this idea of, are you telling me this person that's got all this pain, I've got to fully restore and, and our relationship's got to be back to what it used to be and we're vacationing and doing Christmas together. And you're like, I can't get to that point. And if that's what it requires, I don't want to do any of it. So I just put the rock back in the backpack, right? I'd rather not do, if that's what's expected, I, 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 that seems too much for me. Can I maybe just encourage you and maybe give you some understanding by defining some terms? Because what I hear so many times is, if it's all or nothing, if it has to be all of this, then I can't do that, so I'll do nothing. And can I remind you, I think that's probably a false narrative as we think about our rocks. So let me define some things for you. Let me define forgiveness. One of the most helpful things for me. Wrote it here on the screen, you'll simply say this. It says it. Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. I love this definition. Because it acknowledges the reality of hurt, and it doesn't ask me to dismiss it, and it doesn't ask me to deny it. Too many times, forgiveness is forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's acknowledging that you hurt me, right? It's not a denial of that. But I also love this definition because it acknowledges that I have a right to return pain for pain. I have a right, an eye for an eye. You slandered me, I'll slander you. You hurt me, I have a right to do that in and of myself. But the challenge of forgiveness is that forgiveness calls me to give up of my rights, even though I could be entitled to do that. That's the nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness is me giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. And what it does when it comes to the area of forgiveness, it re-puts the power back into our lives, right? I have a choice. This depends solely on me. Am I gonna give up my right to hurt you for hurting me? Now, the second part of this is fellowship. And fellowship with that person, that's completely different than forgiveness. And I think if we're not careful, we bridge these so closely together that they become muddled. And what it does is it moves us to do nothing because I can't get all the way to point C. And so I, let me remind you, let me just put a little graph up here that will help you. It helped me. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is something I do. I give up my right to hurt you for hurting me. I decide to surrender my rights to hurt you. I decide to take my hurt to the Lord and say, God, this is your thing. I, I decide to pray for that offender. I, I decide to take the stone out of my backpack, call it what it is, and acknowledge it and put a period on it. I do that. Romans 12, 18, right? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. When it depends on you, that's your part. Fellowship, on the other hand, here's the key. Fellowship is something here. Fellowship is something we do. Fellowship takes two. And we do this and experience this only if some things are true. Only if there is true repentance. Right? We can't rebuild out of hollow repentance. It's not how a relationship gets restored. I'm sorry with qualifiers doesn't get the job done. And we all know people, and we've probably been guilty of it at times. We all know people who say, I'm sorry, without truly apologizing for anything. You ever been in that relationship? Things like this. Well, you, you know, you know, I didn't really mean it that way. I'm sorry you misunderstood my words or my tone, right? I'm sorry that you took it that way. I'm sorry, but you hurt me first, right? 
Here's the challenge. True repentance doesn't have qualifiers. It takes responsibility. True repentance says this. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? I mean, that's how restoration happens with a repentant heart that's there. We see change, right? Change in fellowship, change happens, is demonstrated by consistent behavior over an extended period of time. Trust, honor, respect, these are all things we do together that creates fellowship that's there. So forgiveness is a command, but fellowship takes wisdom and it takes discernment. So I just encourage you, and I share that only, so when we think about this idea of restoration and hurts that are relationally based, can I be reminded it's not all or nothing. I do what I'm responsible for, forgive. We do, together, create fellowship through agreed things that are true about who we, how we treat each other. Forgiveness brings us freedom where fellowship brings us restoration. So here's the question I have for you today. You got a rock in your hand that you... You were given, right? Take that little rock out if you haven't been. Rub that little rock. Gets rid of your emotional stress. It's great. Again, the rock that you got this morning has a period on it, right? And that represents the hurt from the past. An event, a word that was spoken over you that can't be edited. It can't be changed. It can't be taken back. So the question for you, the question for me this week is simply this. Will you leave the pain in the present? Or will you put it back in the bag and will you carry it into your future? What's the story you're going to tell after the period of your pain? Is it a story of generational hurt? Or is it the story of generational healing? See, that was Matthew's decision. Matthew chapter 9, he wears this label of despised of all, the tax collector. And a label that carried a lot of hurt in his own life, certainly a label that created a lot of hurt in other people's lives. But Jesus gave Matthew the ability to shed a label, to drop some hurt, to put a period on it, and, and to move on, to live as a new creation. But the challenge is that labels are hard to shed, and words that are spoken over us, right, they are hard to leave behind and hard to erase. And we see that even in Matthew. Later on in the book of Matthew, we have the names of the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles that are listed. Now, the book of Matthew was written by who? Matthew. There you go. That's, it was almost easier than saying Jesus, right? So the book of Matthew, written by Matthew, so it is his narrative of himself in the story. Don't miss that. It's the important part. Matthew chapter 10. Here's his narrative, verse 2. The names of the 12 apostles were these. First, Simon who was called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, and Thaddeus, Simon, he goes on. <laughs> Chapter 10 gives us a little insight that Matthew had a rock that had a period on it, but because he's human like you and I, struggled and somehow put that rock back in the bag, and said, I want to just remind you, when you're trying to figure out who I am, I'm Matthew, the tax collector. And I wish in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew would have used a different description or adjective to describe who he was as a child of the king, a man who was forgiven. 
But I understand, and you probably can understand, the struggle to keep the rocks out of our backpack. And they put them at the feet of the cross rather than simply keep putting them back and keep defining ourselves by our hurts and the things that we go. We all have these kind of rocks, right? So it's not a sense of judgment on Matthew. It's just saying, bro, I understand. We all have those labels that have come, words that have been spoken over us. You know, I know for me, a rock, right? Words spoken over me as a child in education in school that simply said, you're really not quite as smart as all the other kids in the class. And somehow that's a rock I've chosen to carry with me my entire life. And that's a narrative and a story that goes on in my head. I chose to put it back in the bag. So we don't judge Matthew. We simply say, brother, can I remind you that truth brings freedom and the ability to leave your rock at the cross is how you move past to that preferred future that you have. So today, I just want to do this. I just want to give moments and time for the Spirit to speak to you whatever the Spirit needs to speak to you about whatever that rock means in your own life. And so here's what we're going to do. Uh, this morning as we close out. In just a moment, the worship band's gonna come and, and they're gonna lead us in a song. They're gonna just play. This is just time you and Lord. I wanna invite you, if this is where you're at at this moment, if there's a rock, that rock you have just represents that situation, those words, that thing. If you're at a point to say, God, I don't wanna put it back in my backpack when I walk out of this room, I wanna just put it at your cross. We've put a cross up here. You feel so led and that's where you're at and you want to do that and take that cross and just put it back there symbolically saying, God, I'm not putting it back in. I'm not putting the label on. I'm not a tax collector. I'm a child of the king. I've been forgiven. I'm your son and I'm your daughter. I have worth and I have value that goes beyond what I can do, right? That's there. We're going to leave the cross up all, all series. Uh, each week you come back, we're going to have a little bowl there with some rocks. If somewhere throughout the series there's just something you want to do or you want to take your rock home and spend some time, at some point there, this is, just a, this is just space I want to create for you and the Lord to simply say this. We have a choice. Your rock has a period. You determine the story you're going to write from this point on. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the story of Matthew. Thank you that the scripture reminds us that this is a journey, our sanctification, our process of becoming more like you is, whew, it's, it's messy and it's hard and it's, we don't always get it right and yet your grace is there for us. So Father, today we just take these moments and the rock that we hold, whatever that represents for us, whether that's today or over the weeks to come, we just ask for freedom from that. Ask for the power to set it down and not put it back in the pack. So God, use these moments to do as you wish. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.